The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Hello, everyone. This is Rob Golfie with Remax, the Golfie team. Welcome to the Golfie Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition with host Rick Zamprin. Good morning. Welcome to the Golfie Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition. He is Rob Golfie, of course, sales representative, Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfie team, as he just mentioned. Also part of the number one Remax team in Canada. That is the Golfie team, 905-575-7700. Give that number a call if you want to sell your house or you are in the market to buy a home. Again, the number one REMAX team in Canada is a phone call away, 905-575-7700. Online at robgolfi.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. If you're into social media, whether it is Facebook or Instagram, X, Threads, TikTok, the Golfi team is dominating the social media scene with some great content on social. And if you have a topic idea for a future show or a question you would like answered by Mr. Golfie, send them an email, questions at robgolfie.com. Again, that is questions at robgolfie.com. Got some pretty good topics for you today, including home renos. Over the last number of years, a lot of Canadians have done home renovations. What are some of the best when it comes to return on investment? We're also going to get into a vacant home tax in Toronto. That tax has gone up or is in the process of going up. We'll talk about the severe construction labor shortage in this country and how now, it's going to get even worse before it gets better. We'll talk a little bit about wartime housing as well and some new money for the city of Hamilton to build new homes. Before we get to that, what is going on in your real estate life, Mr. Golfi? Things are changing. Things are changing. I've got a, a particular situation that uh, one of the agents on my team asked me uh, you know, to help her out with. And we, we have this client that we sold this house in February of 2022, I think it is. Is that, it it is, 2022. And we did mention to these people uh, that they're overpaying. And he didn't care. He didn't care. And uh, and he wanted uh, wanted to go in pretty strong on the price. Now, the asking price on this house that he bought in February 2022, the asking price was 699.9. He ends up paying nine hundred and forty thousand, which huge. It, 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 and, and the agent on my team said, "You are paying way too much for this house." He didn't care. He wanted the house because, for some reason, he felt because it was a fifty fifty by uh, hundred and ten foot lot that he thought that not many houses have that deep of a lot. And I'm like, you know, I don't understand where he's getting that from. So he buys it for nine hundred and forty thousand. Puts two hundred thousand into it. Wow! Another big mistake. Calls us up, says, "Hey, I want to sell this." And I had a a, a discussion with my agent, uh, and I had a discussion with the owner, and I said, "I, uh, you know, I said to him, I go, I think the number is wrong. Like, I, I, I go, you got two hundred grand in there, and he goes, he, he goes, I think I can get one point five million. I said, you like." Mentally, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, this guy fell in love with this house as he's renovating it, mm-hmm. meaning that every time he kept putting something in, oh, this house is going to be worth this much. Like, you know, he, he added new flooring. He probably added new uh, kitchen and everything else. He put way too much money on a house that was overpriced in the area. Now, the, the average sale price, I'm going to tell you, Rick, the average sale price 
in that area of where this house is right now is 604,000. Wow. Last year, it was 721,000 in the height. And in 2021, it was 629,000. So I went and looked online, the whole entire city and, and try to see what would a $1.5 million house have? And I, and I said to him, uh, you know, I said, listen, $1.5 million, you know what you can buy for 1.5 million? I said, I, I, I told him, I go, you cannot even get financing at 1.5 million on this house. People won't even show up because if they're going to look for a house for 1.5 million, they're going to be looking in neighborhoods that are selling between 1.2 and 1.5 million. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're basically going to be telling him this week that, um, that we're, we're not going to take the, take the listing. It's just like it, it, it he's going to be upset with us if we take the listing because we can't sell it. Right. Right. And he doesn't want to look at the comparables. He doesn't want to hear about it. And, uh, so he just feels that it, it's worth that much. And, and, and again, I'm not doing my job if I'm not telling him, am I correct? Like, mm-hmm. if, Absolutely. If, if, yeah. So is he going to keep like, he can go to another agent. Other agents, other top agents will tell him the same thing. He may find one agent that will take it on, but he's going to have to deal with the wrath of, of the pressure of him calling all the time saying, why isn't my house selling? Yeah. But that's the thing that some people have done and they're not listening. They're not listening to the realtors. Now, like it, it, it like for me to say no to not taking a job, there's gotta be a reason, right? Like, like it's gotta be overpriced. Like, it, like why would an agent not take on a listing? Cause that's how they make their money taking on jobs. Yeah. But if I take it on, I'm going to spend money and get zero. If I don't take it on, I, I, I get zero. So I, I'm, I'm going to lose money if I take it on. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's tough. It's tough. And, and there's some sellers out there that feel they, they just don't realize they overpaid in, in a, in a market. They got to hang on to it, hang on to the house and, and within five to 10 years that they'll, they'll be able to retrieve and get their money back, but they may have to rent it out and, and go on. But, but this guy put way too much money in this house, yeah. way too much money. Well, th- yeah, this individual and in, in, let's recap here. So this person bonded in February, 2022, the asking price was six ninety nine nine, as you mentioned. So let's just call it 700 K paid nine forty, So two forty over asking. And uh, then after putting in $200,000 in renovations, let's just call it $1.1 million in terms of how much money this individual has put into this home and wants one and a half mil. So in just over a year, his math has this house basically doubled in price, which is yes. way unrealistic. Way unrealistic. I, he's probably heard me say house prices double every t- uh, ten years, but he <laughs> forgot that it takes ten years. And and it's just and it's just like I and, and for some reason he keeps telling me that he's got a hundred and fifty foot deep lot. I don't think he realizes he's, he's got a hundred and ten foot lot. Wow. It's it's not a hundred and fifty. So he feels he says to me he goes Rob, there's not many houses that have a hundred and fifty foot lot. The hundred and fifty foot lot adds like. When people are looking and say, hey, wow, it's got a nice lot, but people aren't looking, people aren't looking and saying, oh, I need a big lot like that. It doesn't add that much value. If that lot was from 150 foot lot to 100 foot lot, the value of that property is the same and the house. It's not going to change and and, and it won't change. So like sometimes, sometimes we have people, they have a large lot and somebody behind wants to buy maybe 50 feet of their lot. 
And I said, sell it if you can. If you don't use it, sell it because your house is going to be worth the same amount of money whether you, you sell it or not. Mm-hmm. And, and the next, next guy that sell, buys your house, he'll probably sell it to the neighbor behind. And, and he's going to gain that extra, you know, whatever, it's $50,000 for that little piece or $25,000. Uh, sell it. Like, it just, it, like, the, the size of the lot does matter a tiny bit, but not enough to make it worth two, $300,000 more. So he's mistaken that. And he's obviously not going to agree to us when we say to him that we're going to pass on, on working with him on, on this house. It's just that it's just, it's a no win battle. And you know what? And he's just going to be frustrated with us that we can't sell it. And he's, you know, it's just, so it's better for him to be upset with somebody else. Not us. Well, yeah. And the, and the lot size too, is that, you know, that's a puzzling, um, you know, valuation on his part, because how many times, and and Rob, you've been doing this for years now, how many times have you met with a client who says, listen, I want a lot that is such and such a size. They might say, hey, I want a big lot, but I'm not sure they're giving you specific numbers. No, 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 exactly. But this guy here, he wants $1.5 million house in a neighborhood that is only uh, uh, average sale price is 600,000. So wow. he is way off on his numbers and no bank will finance anybody on that unless they put uh, over a hundred thousand dollars down on this place. So, and, and the chances of that happening is going to be very rare because even myself, if I'm looking for a house in that price point, I'm going to be looking in neighborhoods in that price point. Mm-hmm. There's no way anybody's going to be looking. They're going to be all the other realtors are going to go, what, what's going on with this guy? Like what's, why has he got this house so high? <laughs> and I know he's done a good job. He's, he's put a lot of money into it, but, he didn't take our advice. First of all, he didn't take our advice buying it. When buying it, he paid too much. We told him that, and we even have it in writing. So he, he can't come to us and say, well, you told me to buy it. We have it in writing. You are paying too much for this. Our advice is not to buy it at that price. And But he went, went ahead and, and uh, did it. For some reason, he felt the lot was going to be worth a lot of money. And I don't know what in his brain made him think that, but that's what he feels. And and I'm trying to tell him, no, that's not going to be what you're not going to get the 1.5. He's not going to even get a million dollars on this house. And he's got, a, and he's got 1.1 into it. And he's, he's, he's got to hang on to it. He's going to hang on to it for a long while. Uh, it's a clear example of any, any of our listeners who are tuning in right now and thinking, wow, you know, Rob is telling it like it is, and he's not going to beat around the bush in terms of the information that you need to make the best decision for your home buying uh, decisions. And, and this is kind of the real life experience that you've had over the, over the years, and uh, you'll tell it like it is. And if you don't think it's going to work, and, and clearly this is doomed to fail, you're going to let that individual know. Uh, you also have a story about holding offers. we got about a couple minutes left in this segment. So what's yeah. going on with holding offers? Holding offers is still working, but you've got to be very aggressive. So here's another property. It's in Stony Creek. Um, I'm listing at $899.9. So now a guy on the same street did the same thing, listed at $899.9, and he got a, a million and forty thousand for for the property. It sits on the escarpment, very nice, and it was dated. I have a similar property. I almost exactly same square footage, back on the same side of the a street, uh, and everything. And I and and this gentleman had his house listed for 1.4. And I said, I, you're way too high on that. And I, and, and he's thinking, well, maybe 1.2. And I go, look, I go, let's try to hold offers. And I, and I explained to him that it's going to be about a million dollars you're going to get. And that you have to be prepared. If that comes in, you have to be prepared to say yes or no, because it 1.2 is not going to happen on this house. Cause it, the whole house needs to be 
uh, updated, the whole house, the pool, and everything else. And I think he'll get a million dollars. It's worth a million dollars. If he gets over a million dollars, he it's bonus. But uh, but he's going to have to realize that. But holding offers still does work even in a market like this. You got to be just under the market. People are still out there buying houses, and they they are looking. And you know, and this locate location is is the key factor on this property. And we'll find out next week. Ask me next week if we did end up selling it <laughs> for over asking or if it did end up, if they end up taking an offer or not. I do have another question about holding offers. We'll get to it after the break. We'll also talk about some new funding for the city of Hamilton when it comes to building homes. That's next on the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Welcome back. This is the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with Rob Golfy, sales representative, Remax's Scartman Realty, the Golfy team, online at robgolfy.com. That's Rob, G O L F I.com. Call the number one Remax team in Canada. That's the Golfy team at 905 575 7700. If you want to sell your house or you are in the market to buy a home, call the Golfy team, 905 575 7700. They're also on social media, whether it's TikTok or Facebook, X, Threads, Instagram. Great content on their social feeds. Still to come, we'll talk about the uh, labor shortage or the skilled labor shortage in this country and how it is even supposed to get worse. And a new tax in Toronto is going to impact the housing scene there. And, and maybe, who knows, one day here as well. But we'll talk about that a little later on in the show. In our first segment, Rob was talking about a couple of situations, including one where a seller just wants way too much money for their home and also on holding offers. And the question I had about holding offers is in this market, which is, clearly in favor of the buyers is is holding offers a bad sign for those who are trying to sell their home because they're they're obviously pricing right at least they should be but is that scaring some potential buyers away um no i don't think so because if it's priced right so like this house is worth one million dollars that i was talking about now we're pricing it at 900 so chances are if we listed this house at a million, we probably have people coming and going and people try to negotiate. We may end up selling for 950, 975. But because we priced it so aggressive, people are looking at it, hey, and they're going to know in their mind, this is a million dollar house. They're either going to come in at a million or a little higher than a million dollars to, to get this house because because of the location and, and, and it's a bungalow and, 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 and the, the demographics of the people that are looking are mostly baby boomers, and they can afford to buy this house, renovate it, and move in. Now, it's if you price it under the market, you'll be fine. But and you just got to find that pivotal point of the market. If if you don't know that pivotal point and you price it above the market, then you end up chasing the market down, and it goes from there. So now between like so, if anybody bought a house, I just want to get to this. If anybody bought a house in the last let's say six months, and they may feel, hey, you know what, the market's changing all of a sudden. Don't worry. The market's going to change a little bit towards the end of this year, and it's going to start climbing up probably the middle of, of next year. We are going to have some interest rate issues coming up, and uh, but then once it starts climbing, you're going to be going, whoa, like, like you're going to be so happy, 
and, of, of, of your purchase. Now, some people may not be happy right now because they just purchased, but don't worry about it. That's the house you moved in. That's the house you're living in. And uh, like, like I always say, house prices double every 10 years. So think about the house that you bought 10 years from now. You're going to go, wow, I can't believe this place is going to be worth, you know, if you bought for 700,000, it's going to be worth 1.4 million. But what I'm saying is you've got to find the pivotal point of, price, uh, of the value of the property. If you price it under, you will get the buyers. There's always buyers, no matter what the market is, no matter what the interest rates are, the buyers are out there. It's just pricing it right. And that's the key point of any house that you put for sale. Inventory is going to climb probably next year quite a bit. And uh, we're going to find that we, we have to get that price point uh, right on the nose. If you don't, you're just going to sit, sit, sit and chase the market. Well, speaking of uh, inventory increasing sometime down the line, the city of Hamilton is uh, certainly smiling because they have accepted or received $93.5 million in federal housing funding uh, as part of the federal government's housing accelerator program. And so the city's portion of that is nearly $94 million. And from that, um, we're hearing that there's going to be about 2,600 units over the next three years built. Uh, in terms of, of new housing supply, which is is great news. I mean, it's not a, a heck of a lot in the grand scheme of things, but m- more is certainly welcomed than, than less, that's for sure. It, it's a start, and it, it's a great thing. And, uh, I mean, uh, it's good for Hamilton, and I hope it does move fast. And I, and I, and I think uh, with uh, uh, Andrea Horvath that she understands this, and uh, and she knows that we need housing even before she became the mayor when she was the leader of her party for Ontario. Uh, she also they also recognize that they need to get more housing going because we have a problem with homelessness. And 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 I'll, and I'll tell you, um, it's the one thing I I just found out there are people out there like an average household out there with that brings in let's say combined income or even one person. $90,000. Do you know that in today they barely got any uh, money left over, depending on the price point of their house, at the end of the month to afford the house, groceries, utility bills, gas in their car, and maybe even having car payments. If they don't have car payments, they're probably driving an old car that needs repairs all the time. So this this thing here. Um, we need we need to get going on this because even people that you and I know that are doing well are struggling out there, and they got to get moving on building houses and moving on getting this going because it's going to get worse as time go, goes on. If it, if interest rates go up another three percent, which I don't think it will, I honestly don't think it will, it's going to affect a lot of people, and and it's gonna it's gonna be. Uh, chaos out there uh, for a lot of people first uh, that are going to struggle. They're going to be on the street because mm-hmm. rents are so high. Uh, mortgages are high. What, what does the person do next? Yeah, there's not a lot of options other than, uh, you know, dip into the pocket or savings or going into debt. And that's not a good scenario uh, either. In in regards to this $93.5 million funding, the city is planning to create what they're calling an acceleration program for multiplex conversions and secondary dwelling units like basement suites, laneway homes. Is that, if we're going to see a lot more of these multiplex conversions and, and secondary dwellings within homes, uh, is that going to make selling homes easier or or just the home buying experience more attractive because you might have some uh, additional revenue built into your property? 
investors are going to be jumping all over this. Yeah. And 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 they're going to cre- that's how they're going to create more housing. Um, I remember when I, I duplexed a couple of houses way back uh, when I first started buying real estate in my 20s, and, um, and 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 we were doing it back then just like like without permits. <laughs> we just duplexed it. We just had people move in, and nobody said anything, and, and it just it just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I think and the, the government was fine with it. I guess the city was fine, but now they want this to happen. And you know what I found, uh, and it's happening. It's happened rapidly right now. If every time I'm looking at rentals in the city, it's it's never the whole house anymore as much. It's hard to find the whole house for rent now. It's either you get in the upper lower, upper level, or the basement. It's never there's hardly any houses, so it's going to be even tougher to rent a whole house. So a family, like let's say a family of four, you know, a husband, husband, wife, and two kids, they're just going to have the upper floor. They're not going to have the basement. And they're gonna have to share the basement with somebody else, and it's 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 going that route, and it, and it's gonna be harder to find a single family home that you have the whole house for your house uh, for yourself because the opportunities are there now for the investors. They're gonna and if they don't take like how long will this last? Maybe a couple of years, and they're gonna shut it down. And then all the ones that did get multiplexed and and duplexed and and everything else, they're going to be grandfathered in just like the ones were done before the 90s that, you know, they have uh, legal nonconforming. They call it legal nonconforming because it was duplexed prior to this certain date. We're going to let you keep keep it the way it is. Now, anytime after that date, you cannot duplex. You have to get a permit. If If it doesn't allow it, they won't allow it. So this is opportunity for investors right now to duplex quadrant like like there's massive houses in central hamilton that are probably three thousand square feet that you can put into fourplexes or even five plexes this is the opportunity to do it you can get some good rental income you're gonna have to spend some money to to convert it you know do all the retrofits and everything else but the opportunity is there for investors right now if you want to sell your home or you're in the market to buy a house, call the number one REMAX team in Canada, the Golfie team, 905-575-7700, online at robgolfie.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I dot com. And if you want an instant home estimate, go online to golfiehomevalue.com. Again, that internet address is golfiehomevalue.com. On Thursday's edition of Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, you and I talked about wartime housing because in, in conjunction with this federal funding announcement earlier in the week, there was a suggestion that, you know, why doesn't the government and cities and home builders bring back this wartime housing idea in which during the 40s and 50s and 60s especially these homes which were very modest on on you know fair sized lots were built and built relatively quickly why can't we do that now do you see a solution coming down the line i i think it's the greatest thing that the government can do open up some land and i know i know people don't like it opening up some green green land and 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 green space for for new housing but we need to there's no choice we are in a dilemma right now but you build a survey with a thousand homes and they did that on the hamilton mountain they did on the east east hamilton they did it in in all every city in ontario or canada they built these wartime homes and wartime homes are basically they're from 600 to about 900 square foot homes either bungalows or one and a half stories they built and they're two and three bedroom homes perfect Back then, nobody cared. Nobody needed walk-in closets or anything. We still can do that. You still can build a decent closet. This would be fantastic for the first-time buyer. 
but eliminate investors. They cannot buy this and it's prohibited for investors. They have to move in. If you're buying this house, you have to be moving in. If not, you're going to be penalized on it. And, and the government can control the cost, the, control the sale price. And these are right now they're going for, uh, I think on the mount for like 500, 475 to 550, hmm. these wartime homes. And it's easy. Like building these small bungalows, you know, with sided, uh, you know, vinyl siding or wood siding or whatever homes, they can build, they can build a house in 30 days. I'm telling you, like, it's like, it's simple. They prefab it, put it up, and then people can move in right away. They can do this. I just don't understand why the builders don't want to do it. The, maybe the margins aren't good. I don't know. Um, but you can build these on 40 foot lots or 35 foot lots with a driveway in front. And, uh, and you'll have a nice neighborhood. People want a backyard, just even if it's a small backyard, you know, put their dog back there. Who wants to raise a dog in a, in a condo building? Nobody wants to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and you know, people want just someplace where they can just put a, a table and, uh, and, and just enjoy their backyard, you know, fenced in and have neighbors walk the dog down the street, you know, all that kind of stuff. We need that. I know they're trying to trying to do the uh, infill with the in the city centers with these condo buildings, but not it's condos aren't for everybody. And you know, you know, I mean, it's just maybe it's a good start, but people want to start a family. They don't want to have kids running up and down the hallways to to grow up, and they want they want little backyards. Another factor in the housing shortage is the fact that we have a shortage of skilled laborers in this country. In fact, Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation uh, last summer estimated that we here in Canada need about three and a half million more housing units by 2030 to restore affordability. I'm not sure that's a number that we're going to hit in uh, a matter of seven years. Um, But we just don't have enough people building these homes, which have you know, in many cases, stretch the timeline for new home construction to about two years. Uh, and that's just to build the home. So uh, in, in a lot of, you know, the experts in this field are saying this is only going to get worse. Oh, it is. And get and, and the quality is going to get worse on these homes. So you're buying a house that's probably not going to be straight in every corner. And uh, just because we're going to end up getting laborers that, uh, you know, contractors say, hey, listen, can you help me out here? I need to do some drywall. I need to uh, frame this house. He may not be qualified to do it, but the contractor is just going to have to watch over him. And maybe they're not going to be 18 inches on centers or whatever these studs, but it, the quality is going to hurt because we're losing more and more. There's a lot of retirees happening uh, in, uh, in the, in the construction industry. And uh, so they're, they're, we're going to be losing a lot of skilled labor. The other thing is right now, Builders aren't building houses because nobody's really buying them because of the interest rate. So there's kind of a little bit of a holdback on that right now. So to hit the numbers that we want to hit, it's going to be tough. And immigration is still coming in. It's not stopping. So they're still coming in. So these people will need a house that if not now, in the next five years, they're going to be buying or, or, or renting. So there's going to be, uh, like, like I said, I always say there's going to be a boom in 2026 and 27, but we need to get more uh, skilled labor into this country to, uh, to, to, to help us with this, uh, this shortage of, of homes that we have. And, and there's no way we're going to hit what they predict, like what they forecast they want to do. There's no way. And, and it's just going to, it's just going to cause more problems. We need to get people like there's people escaping countries. Uh, they'd be willing to do, get those guys, get them in, in the labor force, get them on tr- a trade to, to, to work on, 
and get them trained to be a, a tradesperson, and then we will do well. But I don't know why we're not doing that. Get get these immigrants coming in and learn the trade. Say, hey, we're going to allow you in, but you're going to have to learn a trade, and you have to work that trade for five years before you can go into another uh, in, into something else. Here, here's a few more interesting stats that have been shared with us with, by you know economists and other people in the you know the home building and in the skilled labor sector is that the majority of the workers in the skilled trades right now, the construction trades, are over the age of 55, and, and it's a record high amount. The number of registered apprentices and trade qualifiers are down 15% in the past 10 years, and the share of new immigrants in construction is just 2%, which is a really, uh, obviously, extremely low, no- low number. And what is uh, just from the, you know, the, the side of the interesting is that 7% of the total number of apprentices and trade workers in this country right now are women. I know a lot more women are getting into the trades, and that's amazing to see. We just need a lot more men and women in the trades, just individuals, period, to get these homes built and built quicker. When we come back, we're going to get what? into what, Uh, Toronto City Council recently decided, and that is going to cost some homeowners a little bit more money. We'll tell you what that is next on the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Welcome back. This is the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. My name's Rick Samprin, in studio with Rob Golfy, sales representative, Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfy team. Call them today at 905-575-7700. You'll be calling the number one Remax team in Canada, the Golfy team, 905-575-7700. Online at robgolfy.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. And follow the Golfy team on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook threads, and X. City Council in Toronto has decided to increase that city's vacant home tax. It currently stands at 1%. It is going, as of 2024, up to 3%. And this is going to create a lot more money for uh, the city of Hamilton. Is this, Rob, a good idea? I, I think it's good and bad. Um, there's all, you know, I think it's good because they do want more of these people to sell the houses or rent the houses. And a lot of the people that own these houses really don't want to rent them because they don't want to deal with the landlord tenant issue. Like they don't want, like sometimes they'll look at it and say, Hey, I might get a tenant that's not going to pay. So it's, it's worse and they're destroying the house. So it's better just to keep it empty and pay the 3% tax. It depends how, how wealthy they are, or where their money's coming from. But I, I do feel that it probably will open up people to uh, sell the house or, or, or rent it out, which is, which is a good thing. Um, I, you know, and there's, there's neighborhoods that are all empty, uh, you know, because a lot of these, sometimes these foreigners, they bought houses and they're, and they're parking their money here in Canada into real estate. And to them, it's worth just keeping it empty, have somebody just take care of the outside. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think it will help. Uh, it's going to help. It's going to help the revenue for the city of Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're collecting fifty-four million dollars in the in their first year when they implemented this. So that means if they add another two percent, they're probably going to go in one hundred and fifty million dollars if if it's at the same rate. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be a funny funny thing to to do. And some people, 
And some people need to have their house empty for some reason. Maybe they, they moved away to work in a different country because they're in a contract and they don't really want anybody in their house. And uh, so they rather keep it empty. So maybe they're maybe they're exempt on that. It's hard. It's hard to tell. Yeah, as of August 1st, there were, and I, I thought this was a low number, to be honest, 2,160 homes that were declared vacant in Toronto. I thought it would have been way more than that. So just a snippet of uh, interesting info from uh, the city of Toronto. Uh, let's get into home renovations. We know for years now, whether people get inspired by watching shows on HGTV or just, they're just looking around thinking, you know what, we got to spruce up the place. There are certain home renos that really... Um, bring you a lot of return on investment. Other ones, not so much. So, Rob, let's go through the list of things that really bring your home to the next level when it comes to the value that you're putting in and the value that you're getting out of it. So what's at the top of the list? Yeah, so kitchens. Kitchens are are the number one thing. Now, uh, a a lot of times what people do is uh, if they're buying a house to flip, yes, everything else, the, the overall thing, they're flipping, they're renovating the whole house they will get a return on investment. But if you're just doing the one thing, the kitchen, and I, and I think the, the, uh, the return there the, now, I have a couple of different returns on investment for, for kitchens. And it, and it ranges from, uh, uh, 80 to 85% on one, uh, on one form. And, uh, it just, or 75 to 100%. You're not going to get a hundred percent or plus. It just doesn't, it just doesn't happen on, on a kitchen. And, and that's if it's a short term, like if you're, if you're looking at doing your kitchen and everything else is the same around your house, you're not going to get a hundred or 120% return on, on that. Like you're not going to get that. Uh, you basically got to do the whole house or don't do any at all. So you got to be careful on when you're doing renovations, but, but as time goes on, you'll, the return starts happening quicker after a year or two years. And everything else like that. That's why when finished people do a finished basement, um, a basement remodel can be 70, 75% uh, on return. But as time goes on, it, it just, it, it increases because now the value of the property has gone up. Mm-hmm. Things are starting to add up more for, for your, for your, um, for your house. In addition to kitchen being at the top of the list in terms of home reno ROI, return on investment, bathrooms are also up there. Uh, as well as flooring, which is kind of a surprise. But hey, if you have some nice new flooring, that is certainly going to grab the attention of people walking through your house. Uh, absolutely, uh, flooring is is huge. Um, it's it's a big factor. Um, it, you know, like people go from uh, carpet to hardwood floors. People like looking at you know all the nice shiny floors that that are in the house. the the one The one thing I'll tell you, the one biggest investment return that you'll get, uh, and it's the cheapest, is painting. You paint, if you paint the house, get, you know, get it all cocked and everything else like that. Mm-hmm. That return is, 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 is probably of all the, all the investments is the highest, highest return on, uh, on investment. A couple of other uh, things you should consider if you are doing some home renos and want that return on investment, whether you're putting your home up for sale now or in, in the not too distant future would be uh, landscaping, um, any sort of uh, addition in terms of putting a deck perhaps in the backyard uh, and making your home energy efficient. So whether that's through a new uh, heating and uh, an air conditioning unit or just, you know, new windows, whatever the case is, you'll get uh, some bang for your buck. In our final segment, we're going to get into real estate litigation disputes and what they are and how you might want to try to avoid them if uh, if you can. That's next on the Golfy Real Estate Show Hamilton edition on 900 CHML.
You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. And let's go around here on the Golfie Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with Rob Golfie, sales representative, Remax's Scartman Realty, the Golfie team. Call them today. You'll be calling the number one Remax team in Canada, the Golfie team at 905-575-7700. If you want to sell your house or you're in the market to buy a home, call the Golfie team, 905-575-7700, or w- visit their website, robgolfie.com. That's Rob G-O-L-F-I dot com. Check them out on social media. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, X, Threads. Follow the Golfie team. Give them a like. And also for an instant home estimate, you're, you're kind of wondering, what is my home worth? Go to GolfieHomeValue.com and you'll pr- get a pretty good idea of that number. So, Rob, let's get into, we, we tried to do this last week but ran out of time, but uh, we're making some time for it this week, and that is real estate litigation disputes in Canada. There's a number of issues and situations that can bring these about what should we know yeah like a a lot of times um you know there's uh, boundary disputes and stuff like that so when when somebody purchases a house the realtor writes up the offer offers accepted both parties agree the seller and the buyer agree you know the terms the date and price and everything else like that now after that has been taken care of and the deal's firm The paperwork goes to the lawyer. The purchase and sale agreement goes to the lawyer. Now, the buyer's lawyer on the contract, it usually says two weeks prior to the closing date, which is the day they they take possession, that lawyer should be checking title to make sure there's no issues on title. Now, if there is an issue on title, they will try to rectify that during the two weeks before closing. Um, and, And that's what their job is to find. So one time I had a deal that happened and um, my, uh, my, my friend sent the deal to his lawyer and he's a corporate lawyer, uh, which is fine. And his office doesn't really do uh, real estate law, but they took on the job to do it. But his lawyer didn't search title till the day before closing. Hmm. And so now there was an issue on title. Uh, even uh, for some reason it got missed when uh, uh, it got missed uh, by his lawyer. So when he was ready to take possession, the previous owner, it wasn't his fault, but the builder that built that subdivision, the, there was a, a, a lien on the house from a, a building supply company on the lumber because the builder that built that subdivision didn't pay a lot of his bill. <laughs> so there was a lien on that property. Wow. So, after, so the guy lived there for 15, 20 years. There was a lien on it. And so the, so the lawyer calls uh, calls my client up, which is my friend and says, Hey, your agent, you know, shouldn't have sold you this house. And I said, and I called, I told my client, my friend, and I said, listen, your lawyer made a mistake he, on the contract. It says he's supposed to check title. This could have been rectified two weeks ago, mm-hmm. but he didn't, he did it the day before he realized that. And I, and I showed him cause you know, they try to blame the other person, right? Everybody's always pointing the finger at somebody else so that they don't look bad. And I, and I, I proved to my client, which was my friend and said, your lawyer is the one that should have just passed the deal to a, a real estate lawyer. But anyway, they had to do a hold back for $50,000 for two weeks. The lawyer said, uh, his lawyer said, you'll get your money, but you're going to have to put 50,000 down so we can clean this title up so that that's not on there anymore. Cause it wasn't the previous owners 
fault or the uh, uh, the buyer's fault. Actually, the previous owner had to hold 50000 back, but he knew he was going to get it back. But there's disputes that way, breach of contract, disputes. It, nobody wins when there's a dispute. The lawyers win. And um, um, a lot of times title disputes, um, there's uh, easement disputes. We've had where um, the homeowner would say, there's a small easement in the backyard. There could be a small uh, pipe going through. It could be gas line or small thing. I had one one time where there was a huge pipeline going through the backyard. <laughs> and the guy didn't, yeah, a pi- I'm, like, like, I'm like telling an oil you, pipeline, Rick, yeah. it was a, like an oil pipeline wow. going through the backyard. And it was under, it was underground. And it was, a, and he knew it. It was a big one. And my, the client that wanted to buy this house, I was representing the seller, which was my client. The, the buyer want, bought this house because they wanted to put a pool in the backyard. Oh, wow. And he made it sound like there was just a small easement. Uh, prior to closing, this is the two-week period before closing where the uh, lawyers look it up. The lawyer says, hey, there's a big pipeline going through this backyard. And the buyer was going, wait a minute, I, I'm buying this house because I thought there was just a little pipeline, like a little gas line going through the backyard not a major oil line or anything like that. That deal didn't close. He had every right to not to close that deal because the, the pipeline, like, like there was like, like it took 15 feet of the backyard. Like it, like you can't do anything close to the, to the anything in that backyard. So little things like that, you gotta, you gotta be careful. And it's good, to, good to know. Um, landlord tenant disputes. I had one just now, the, uh, seller want, gave notice to the tenant. Tenant says, I'm not moving out. What are you going to do? He sold the property. Now the now the buyer can't buy this house. Now there's, it's going to be a dispute for 10 months because you can't get this uh, tenant out. Wow. Just a number of the many litigation disputes that you might encounter. But uh, listen, if you get the golfy team on your side, they will stick handle around any of these sorts of issues. Don't forget, you can listen to our show online through Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. Just search for the Golfy Real Estate Show in your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to hit the follow button and you will never miss an episode. Thanks, Rob. And thank you for listening to the Golfy Real Estate Show. We're back next Saturday at 9 on 900. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.